All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Yeah, don't take computer uh, gadget advice from from gamers because they'll get you to buy the most expensive thing that you don't need. You're not playing. See, I can't even like I can't even come up with a game <laughs> that they might be playing. Yeah, I'm not playing World of Warcraft or right. I don't even know. Yeah, what what is the game now? It's For some Assassin's reason, Creed. No, no, <laughs> no. I don't think that's it. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. I play a little Red Dead Redemption Two. Really? I play it up here for what it's worth, and it, and it works great. Nice. Yeah. You play out on the computer. So my brother uh, told me about this. Um, Google has a gaming platform called Stadia that they've just done a really piss poor job of marketing and advertising. Okay. And so their whole model is that everything exists online. And so you can log in and access your Stadia library from basically any device that has the internet. Okay. Uh, They do make like a, uh, a controller, a game controller, but I use my Nintendo Switch controller and I play... Red Dead Redemption on Holy. on my Google account. That's pretty awesome. And did you have to pay for it? You don't pay uh, a subscription fee for the service. You just pay for the games. Whoa. Yeah. And how much was the game? Like 80 bucks? Yeah. Okay. Like what a game costs. Right. Yeah. And you just buy it online. Correct. Through yeah. Stadia. Through Stadia. Cool. Yeah. The other one is Steam. That's a, yeah, that's I've heard a sim- of Steam. That's a similar concept. Right. I think. And I think I remember hearing about Stadia at one point being like, Google is launching a gaming platform right i just think they haven't done a very good job and maybe it's really easy for them to run and so they don't need for it to be the the biggest competitor to to sony or whatever right um but uh it's it's pretty slick yeah and it was an opportunity for me to pay 80 dollars to play what's supposed to be this really great cowboy game without having to invest in a thousand dollar uh uh, device and console. It's, it's kind of like um like the the breath of the wild for violent cowboy games right Right, and I like an uh, an open sandbox game. Like I've I've sunk like a few hundred hours into Breath of the Wild, right? Which is really cartoony, right? And like kind of violent, but also very. It's like a big warm hug, very fantastical. Uh, right? No, uh, the cowboy one is is pretty gritty, right? But it's cool. Nice. Do you ever shoot someone in the head? Well, sure. I mean, you're gonna shoot somebody, shoot them in the head. Be decent. That's true. Right. Don't give them time. This w- is one not shot. propaganda. We're yeah. talking about video games, which don't make you a worse person. No. Zelda, uh, Zelda is actually like, it's taken over Becky as well. She had never played any video games as a child. And I was never like a big gamer. Like no. we, we had an N64, but that was kind of like it. And we got an Xbox. Like Ross and I saved up and got an Xbox. And so then we played a little bit, but he was a bigger gamer than me. My friends were. I just liked Zelda. And right. so um, I basically got a Switch to play Breath of the Wild. Becky got into that. And now she's way ahead of me in another Zelda game. Cool. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm in the the. I don't think I've. Be- I beat one game in my entire life. Yeah. And that was like Need for Speed on Xbox. Nice. And I just sunk a lot of hours into it, like in random off time, and then never really got into another game. There's been like a handful of games that I kind of have done that, but my parents would tell you I was never like consistently playing video games. No. Like some of some people that you know that are like, oh my god, I would stay up all night and play. I think there's game. there's something to it's almost like athleticism. Certain people just have a knack for it. Yeah, yeah, they get hyper focused on it. I'm just not very good at it. No, I'm I, just a button masher. 
Yeah, same. Yeah. Like trying to play Smash Bros. Like I, I talk a lot of garbage to like little kids who are like, I'll play you in Super Smash Bros. And I'm like, oh, I'll destroy you. And then <laughs> it's like three rounds later and I haven't won a single one. Yeah, I would never ever learn a combo in Smash Bros. No, no, exactly. I could never repeat the same thing over again. I know how no. to like, do the jump and the kick. And then, yeah. It's a wonder they don't make more Need for Speed games. That was a big, a big moment. It was. It was. Was that Need for Speed? Yeah, yeah, that I I beat. Right. Anyways, no, it was called as a game called Test Drive. I knew that it was like hmm. a it was a different game. Right. Where there was like a series of like drag racing and and um like track racing and stuff. It well, was actually a little more exciting, I think, than Need for Speed. But Need for Speed became the one. Yes, but I actually think when we were kids, that was the golden age of driving games. I think maybe in general, driving games aren't a very big thing anymore. Yeah, because there's not much of a community for playing driving games i guess maybe it's just not that cooperative maybe it's not something you can do on a platform because i right. mean like the Fortnites of the world have really taken over right and yeah yeah and, and even like you know people playing like fifa and stuff sure. nhl online that happens a lot still too because there's always someone to just come in and definitely play yeah yeah that's definitely true so uh, me and my buddies have uh gotten into this nerdy card game mm -hmm. and when i say me and my buddies they're they're a few steps ahead of me i've only played a couple of times okay um and and one of us is like super into it and he's kind of good at everything but it's basically magic the gathering it's just okay. like a different kind of culture um and i can see how people get like sucked into these games and like spend a lot of money on on decks and bonuses and 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 i don't understand it at all i mean i've played it for a total of maybe six hours in my life and okay. i've learned very little but it's funny how people get like sucked into these these uh competitive cultures yeah and so are you liking it do you think you'll do you still continually meet with them and play this game yeah i guess so i i'm of the mind that like i just want to like spend time with my friends right so I, i'm willing to sink like a little bit of time into like being able to relate to them on something. Sure. Um, but I'm a slow learner. And in, and in general, I'm a slow learner with with games. Yeah. Transitioning out of uh, video games. Board games, like, don't try to explain to me how to play a board game. Oh, my God, man. Any card game for me, it's going to take... Like, someone tried to show me how to play gin. Okay. Was it gin? What's the one with the... No, bridge. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how to play either of those games. Okay, Bridge is the one with the pegboard and the little pegs. That's Crib. Oh, Crib. Yeah. That's the one I meant. And I've tried to... I can't even remember the names. No, I, I've been taught how to play Crib a couple times, but I couldn't I couldn't even start it, a game. It didn't it And it wouldn't come back to me. If I, if I were to play it again, it wouldn't slowly come back to me. I'd have to learn from scratch. For some reason, the last time that we were we were playing it, it was like like one o'clock in the morning. And it was like we <laughs> after a game of flip cup and and uh, the guys that I was with were like, all right, let's get a crib. Yeah. And I was like, what? To be fair. Why? And then I tried a, it's to a, learn. It's a real um, at the cottage post flip cup kind of game. It killed the party suites. Oh, everyone was just like asleep after that. All right, I stand corrected. Even the older people were like, "Why did they get the crib?" Game <laughs> and I, I agree. don't know that one. I just learned backgammon. Okay, what's that like? It's cool. Is that the the board with the triangles? Yes, it's okay. almost always in like a little briefcase, right? <laughs> and and it's got uh, two halves, or it's actually got four quarters, and um, it's the little triangles, and those are just basically spaces, and you move your your checkers along. 
what happened is I started writing something like a long time ago okay. and I periodically like ducked in and out of writing this thing, which like may be stupid or maybe the best thing I've ever created in my life. And it is a long way from being done. But like one of the central metaphors of this thing is backgammon and I didn't know how to play <laughs> you it. Made, you made a, a metaphor around a game that you didn't understand. Correct. Yeah. Wow. It just happened naturally and then it, it kind of grew and I was like, I should probably learn how to play this game just in case I'm super wrong about it. And do you have your own thing? Do I have my own thing? Like set? Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple sets of backgammon. No now. way. People give them to you when they hear you're writing about it. How many people are you telling that you were writing about it? Uh, I just mentioned. I, you know what it is, is I asked around do you know how to play backgammon? Can you teach me? Right. And no one knew. Oh, God. I should be asking more people about these monitors then. Maybe yes. someone will just get me one. All this to say you need a new monitor for your new job and you shouldn't take advice from gamers. That's right. right. Yeah. This is the big circle we've made. So you are mere hours away from a great accomplishment, which is yeah. the completion of your dry quarter. That's right. Congrats. Thanks, man. Was it, it hard? Uh, Yes. Yep. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Like... At no point was I going to give in. So in that way, it wasn't hard. It was just like uh, it required strength. Well, it's sort of like reading a really long book. Like you you reach a certain 80% point where you're like, well, there's no way I'm not going to finish this. Right. But earlier on in the first month or even in the first six weeks, you must have had times where you're like, well, am I really going to do this? Well, it's so much easier at that point because I was like, you know, coming out of Christmas break and it's like, you kind of have your fill and you just go, okay, now we're into January and there's people doing dry January and there's nothing really going on anyway. True. You know, yeah. we're not in the throes of summer. Like I've done it in, in like September before. And that's been very challenging. Yes. Because there's still stuff happening in September. So you, uh, you were never that tempted. Good for you. Yeah. I managed to pull through it. And you're not going to line up shots at midnight tonight. No. No, I think that's the antithesis of what I'm trying to do. Like, right. I'm trying to get to, a, not that I was ever at a point, I'm not really trying to do anything. Basically, I'm just trying to think to myself uh, that any time that, you know, I'm off, I don't need to go. And then I guess maybe like, you know, drinks tonight or right. whatever, you know, like, like on a friday or saturday you don't night. want that to be your default no yeah I, like i think with the way it should be is if you're out at a dinner or you're at a friend's place or there's something going on but yeah who knows what do you think that is about you where you are hyper conscious of your vices and you really don't have any like and maybe it's because you have underlying health concerns but even before that i seem to recall you were somebody who was like really um, almost cripplingly aware of the amount of coffee you were drinking and whether or not that's good or sh mm. should I really be more careful about like not drinking three beers instead of two and right. I don't see you as and by the way I'm not judging you I think it's great that you're aware of this you're very self-aware but I don't see you as this person who's like this close to spinning out no no not at all I think I think there's like an underlying thing in me that maybe has seen other people spin out and is so cognizant of that right maybe that's kind of the the underlying thing like you know no no one in my direct family like has been affected by like alcoholism or but you know it's it exists in there yeah there's there are people sure so i'm like i don't know i don't want to be that person i don't want to be the uncle that's like oh uncle matt's ooc yeah well, and it's not very good for you. Uncle Matt just called me for the fifth time tonight. <laughs> That's what I don't want.
Yeah, and uh, it's not very good for you. And there's such a movement now going toward people just kind of like stopping drinking. Yep. And like mocktails and stuff, which I find infuriating because I don't think I could ever just like turn it off all the way. I'm sure once I have kids, it'll be like a big turning point for that. Right. Where it's like, and I really admire the people who go like, yeah, like had a couple glasses of wine and that's like the most I'll ever have. That's tends to be my standard. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe like, exactly. Maybe like twice a year I have too many drinks and right. one of those two times I have a horrible time. Oh, so and, and maybe that's what it is. Right. Um, but uh, I understand that there are some people who very decisively know that they can't drink at all, that, that they personally, because of their past or their experience or their family. Right. Um, they know that they have to completely swear it off. And there are other people who just do not get any joy from it. So they don't do it at all. Right. Um, but I, it is, um, I am conscious of the fact that if you just swear it off as a personal challenge for the rest of your life, it's kind of just as decisive, right? It's just as decisive as deciding you're going to be like a party animal. Right. And I mean, it's better for you, I guess. But like, what is the what is the reasoning? You mean, isn't there a level of of like kind of crazy about or such, addiction? Such an extreme. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I had that. I had that talk with a friend too, who said like, "Do you think maybe you aren't like all in on this because like you don't actually have any problem?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, maybe that is it. Like, I'm not. I was never." on one pole or the other well pole. by the way that's definitely the tr you would not have been able to pull off a dry uh, quarter if you had a immediate problem right and i and i aim to distinguish between alcoholism and having an immediate drink uh, drinking problem sure of which you are neither mm -hmm. but i guess what i'm trying to say is um i think to, to just to like decide once and for all to swear off alcohol mm-hmm appears to be chasing some kind of enlightenment that so is the alcoholic trying to chase right, right. you're sure. still you're still going after some kind of dragon and you might be dissatisfied well and maybe that's part of it too part of the motivation in the first place was like hey i kind of want to see how i feel after three months do i feel like i'm going going to be like so clear-headed and so and people ask me that all the time and i'm like no like no. they're like do you feel better i'm like I, yeah well like, no not really i mean i don't get hung over Right. So that feels better. Right. Waking up earlier in the morning and like getting stuff done. That's good. But there's a level of like relaxation I get from like having one drink mm -hmm. that I honestly think abstaining from that for three months might have taken a toll on me as well. Yeah. You know, that just kind of like, ah, yeah, like the deep, like. I'm feeling the, uh, you know, the kind of uh, the blood flowing from like the the alcohol and it's just kind of a nice feeling yep and it's like an okay healthy way to unwind if you're not overdoing it right and instead for three months you were being somewhat performative and competitive mm -hmm. and constantly engaging with this decision rather than just going with the flow yeah 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 i think so well you set yourself a healthy outdate there you go. Maybe next year will be dry half. I'm just oh joking. Boy. I don't oh think boy. I could do it. I've um no, you could. You could do it. You just don't need to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I absolutely Yeah, I'll let you know if you need to do it. Could yeah, please do. You'll be my guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna be a good guy for you. I just know I'm not. We see each other every Thursday night. Right. And we have one drink. Yeah. Usually. Although you like see, 
the, here's the difference between me and you. If you told me that you were having a dry quarter, yep. um, I would still have my like beer or whatever. I'd walk up to this room with you and I would have my beer and I would make you a tea. You have every week for the last three months made yourself the same tea and not had an extra drink. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I find myself going to the liquor store a little bit more when we're drinking because I otherwise don't tend to have cider in the house. And so I'm so I'm I'm it's fine because then there are other nights of the week where I have some garrison tall ships or whatever in the house because I happened to go to the liquor store last week. Right. And so I think I do drink less. <laughs> that's how <laughs> because that's, of me. That's how little I drink, really. See, they say that drinking your drinking affects everyone in ways that you don't even know, and here you go. <laughs> but alternatively, there are times that come and go on their own that I'm not too engaged with where it'll it'll occur to Becky and I Oh, I think we had one drink a day for nine days. Right. And then we'll be like, well, I guess we don't need to do that. That's sure. like, I, that's probably not good. Um, that's probably not good for my sleeping. Mm-hmm. Let's just not. And, or, or, or we won't be so decisive about it and, and then it'll stop and we won't drink for. And meanwhile, I think people in Italy and Spain and France would go, you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, yeah, I think right. so. Why are we such charlatans? Yeah, we're a real mess, aren't we? <laughs> I've always wanted to have like a signature cocktail mm-hmm. um, and because I'm allergic to citrus, which is lemon, lime, grapefruit, and orange, yeah. I'm deeply limited ingredients wise. In fact, there are really essentially no cocktails on anybody's menu mm-hmm. that is like a thing that I can hold and feel good about. So I just drink beer and I like beer or I have a glass of wine. Um, but then we were out the other night at this taco bar and they had a cocktail yep. uh, and it had uh, Bourbon and tequila in it. Mm-hmm. it which had, is a funny combo. It is a funny combo. It had bitters, which has just always been this kind of mysterious concept that I've never had an opportunity to to learn about because it's in cocktails with citrus. Right. Uh, and agave is the sweetener. It's a natural sweetener. And so I ordered one. And it was like the most delicious alcoholic thing I've ever had. Wow. It was phenomenal. It was in a little rocks glass. It felt like freaking Don Draper. Yep. And I enjoyed every sip. And yesterday I went out and I bought all the things to make them at home. Good for you. And it tastes like battery acid. Oh, no. I don't know what went wrong. It's not even in the same palate family. It's not like I I got I got it close, but the ratio is way off. It's like these are two entirely different liquids. Maybe they gave you the wrong drink. And you're chasing a drink that... That you say I got a little high from that citrus that was accidentally in there. Uh, yeah, maybe there was, or maybe there was just another no citrus drink. No, there's never two no getting. citrus drinks yeah, on the menu. It's just one. <laughs> so yeah, I would. Uh, if I end up going there, I'll ask the question about like what the ratios are in it. A, yeah, and then B, what types are they using? Because you know you switch up a a tequila and and a bitters and a bourbon. Yeah, that could that could be a completely different drink. Well, and I didn't get good bourbon. I got Jim Beam, but I, I don't mm. know enough about these boozes that I should really notice the difference. I should have at least come close. Yeah, but I didn't even come close. Right. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I think like maybe like a Maker's Mark would be like a higher level. It's bourbon. a little better, but it's still kind of in the same. Still kind of mid shelf. Price guess. range. Yeah. The other issue is that we made our own bitters. Oh, because it's hard to track it down. And oh, so maybe sweets, that's, I think that's it. Yeah, but it still should have been close. I'm uh-huh. not saying it should have been as delicious as, as the taco bar, even... but it was like, what is this horrible, horrible moonshine? Did you just pour it out? 
No, I drank it. Nice. Good for you. See, that's what I would do. But yeah. I thought you you would have said, no, I'm just but every, this. I know people can't see me, but every single sip I went, mm. Right. And I personally squinted your like, eyes. Oh, yeah. this is horrible. Yeah. Dang. I felt less like uh, Don Draper. And I, I make that reference because as of our last podcast, I'm deep into Mad Men for the first time in my life. Whoa. For yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. Is it still on Netflix? We're watching it on Prime. Okay. It's been around a few places. I've always seen it there. It's always kind of been looming over me. And I guess yeah. I knew on some level that I'd probably like it. Uh-huh. But there are a few big things I know about uh, Mad Men that were like, they seem to me like too big of a spoiler to right. bother jumping in now. And now that I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't think those things were huge spoilers. Yeah. And, and it might not matter anyway. There's... I guess the thing about Mad Men is you're kind of supposed to enjoy the in-between, just kind of the subtle movement of the show. Yes, it's much more episodic than I thought, at least in the first season. It's much funnier than I thought. Yeah. It's really funny. It's got a sense of humor, for sure. And so stylish. But we've been without a show that we could just like fall back on and put on two in a row because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. And so now I feel so relieved that we've we've got like 85 Mad Men ahead of us. That is great. I watched the first four seasons of Mad Men. I'm like two seasons away from finishing Mad Men. Mm -hmm. I just never, never finished it. Okay. And that was like nine years ago. Maybe when I get to that point, I'll let you know and then you can, you can. Maybe I'll jump on that. Hop along. Yeah. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think so. Because I guess season five and six, and maybe I only got like halfway through four, but five and six is supposed to be really good. Well, and here's the thing. This is, uh, I'm not I'm not going to betray anybody here when I say this, but I had heard a long time ago that um, Don Draper mm-hmm. is not Don Draper. That he's actually not. That he's as this is like a, some fake identity he's assumed. Right. And I figure, well, there, there you go. That's the twist of the show. Why would I? Why would I watch Mad Men now? Uh-huh. You find that out in episode three of ninety. Is it that early? Yes. Wow. So it's really not a deterrent for enjoying the rest of the show. There are a few other things, like I know some things about the finale of the series, in fact. But right. I don't think it's going to get in the way of my ability to enjoy this. I don't think so. It's not like. It's the same with The Sopranos. Yeah. Like, everyone now knows how The Sopranos ends, but you're not really like, oh, I'm going to turn this off because, like, there's a rant, like, it just kind of shuts off at the end and you don't know whether he gets killed or not. Right. You're That's not the reason you're watching this. You're not watching a show to see if someone gets killed. You're just watching, the, like, the trials and tribs of a of a young guy, <laughs> of a young Gandalf. They, uh, they do a fine job in Mad Men of towing a line between asshole you like and asshole who you detest and wish we could hit by a bus. Of course. Like, so many of them are bad people, totally. but you root for them anyway. And then other ones, you're like, oh, someone should throw you off the building. Totally. Well, it's, it's and it, honestly, it's the same as The Sopranos. And yeah. It's the same as uh, The Wire. And it's the same. It's, it's these uh, cast members who there's, there really kind of is like a singular main character, but there's more importantly, a cast of like 10 people and they've Mm -hmm. all got important stories and they're muddled in, in good and evil. Like you're never gray, gray morals. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well so far Elizabeth Moss is pretty Lily white. Like she's kind of, uh, I guess she's engaging in this extramarital affair, but like she's, She's kind of vanilla so far. I know that she takes on a more prominent uh, developmental role in the show, mm-hmm. but uh, I always kind of get like a little, little cringed by. Elizabeth Did you get Moss. to the? That's what the money's for. Episode? Mm, no, I like that episode. I don't think so. It's really not like it's just 
at one point Elizabeth Moss is like complaining because she wants something. She wants like credit. She wants all this stuff. And Don Draper just turns to her after she says that and goes, that's what the money's for. Okay. Like we're paying you. Right. That's a good lesson for all of us. It, it kind of is. What are you watching? What What did you watch this week? Uh, So we finished The Stand. Wow. Yep. Okay. The Stand was cool. The Stand's not going to catch on, man. It's, it's not. No one's talking about The it's, Stand. I don't know why. I don't know. Especially it's because we're having it we're so having strong. a real plague. That's why it feels too real. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it and it kind of like I wouldn't have watched it if it was at the beginning of COVID nope. too. It would have been like, horrifying. No, this yeah. is this is wrong. But it, eventually, I ended up watching Contagion. <laughs> okay, so you know how people kind of weren't doing it, and then yeah, not in week one, right? Yeah. Anyways, then you get kind of you're like, okay, this isn't Contagion. I'll watch Contagion. Right. That's kind of what I did with the stand too. It's Happy like, with the stand in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I think it's one of those shows that you go into a little more open to because you really have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And if you would have told me, you know, like I said, like, yeah, it's like Satan is involved and there's like, he's kind of like got a whole clan of people that are, that's where you'd kind of lose me. Okay. But where it was kind of a, it started with the pandemic heavy focus and the sort of like post-apocalyptic vibe and then kind of like leads you into these other parts from there. Okay. Is it conclusive? It is. Oh. Yeah. So they're done. Yes. Yeah, they'll be done. Yeah. They should be. And I guess it's not going to matter because they're not going any further anyway. It just seems like critically and commercially they just flatlined. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it seems like it was such a good way to do this huge Stephen King. And it was book, good. Especially when like Castle Rock was such a hit. I thought this yep. was better than Castle Rock. Interesting. You yeah. liked Castle Rock. I liked the first season of Castle Rock. The second season, I kind of fell out of it. You should watch 11-22-63, the James Franco uh, Stephen King thing about the Kennedy assassination. Watch it? Yeah. Is there a special about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a series with James Franco. Oh, see, I thought that... Yeah, I don't know why I thought that James Franco was somehow involved in like the I don't, yeah he's obviously wasn't involved in the writing of the book. Nope. Um, okay, I should watch that. Where, what is that on? I don't know if it's anywhere. I think it's a Hulu show, so you might want to take a look at Disney Plus Star. But it, it, it might be on Crave. A lot of Hulu might stuff be on Crave. On Crave. Uh, and if not, I think my parents have a DVD of it, which I could probably dig out for you. But it was really good, and I read most of the book. Yeah. And uh, and then I just ended up watching the series because it was a really long book. Eleven twenty two sixty eight sixty three. It was sixty three. The day Kennedy got assassinated. Yeah, I just couldn't remember that. The, I mean, some of the 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 sci fi of it, you kind of mm-hmm. just have to suspend disbelief. Like, sure. basically, he there's a there's a kitchen in a diner that operates as a time portal. Okay. And so he he uses it to try and go back to the nineteen sixties and stop the Kennedy assassination. Do they deal with the butterfly effect of all of that at all? Um, there are some, some interesting, never seen before time travel regulations built into the story. Okay. And so basically you can, you can only travel, you can travel in both directions, but when you travel back, you always travel back to the same time. Interesting. Undoing okay. everything else you've ever done. And so like, wow. so I think he travels back to like 1960 or 1961. And when he decides he wants to end the, or prevent the Kennedy assassination, he has to like, bide time for three years and at one point he has to go home i forget why 
And then when he goes back, he's back in 1959 or 1960, and he has to bide the three years again. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what's he? is he actually just, like, coming up with his own life? Like, Well, I, he has to get on it pretty early because he has to, like, investigate um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. He does fall in love at one point, and right. there's a whole thing where, like, she's married, and that's kind of a, not a pretty picture. Wow. It's a good story. Interesting. It's pretty cool. Does he also, I was going to say, does he ever, like, introduce himself to Jack Ruby, the guy who ends up killing Lee Harvey Oswald. Is there much of a, an investigation on that part? I don't think Jack Ruby plays a role. No. Okay. No. I he was an so. interesting character, as I learned a couple of weeks ago. Man, the whole Kennedy assassination is a very interesting character. It's true. It's a very interesting cast of characters. Mm-hmm. It's, have you ever seen the Zapruder film? The who? The Zapruder film. It no. was like the film that was released of Kennedy's assassination. I've seen Kennedy get his head blown off, yeah, and I, and I wished I didn't. Okay, so yeah. that was like that's like the conclusive. It was by this guy. I don't know if he was like just like a bystander or a filmmaker or what. Yeah, but they call it the Zapruder film because this guy, I don't know, let's call him Leonard Zapruder. Okay, uh, ended up recording it. Fascinating. I think that's why there was a I time. I could be very wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's why they called it the Zapruder film. There was a time where I knew a lot about that day because mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia after reading that book and watching that show. Ah, um, so I knew a lot about like the grassy knoll and I yeah. had all, all kinds of theories of my own, but now I don't really have anything. No, I was going to ask you. So what's your, what's your theory? I don't, I don't think I have, but I, I remember, I think I kind of thought like, there's no way this was just a one man job. Interesting. But that's as far as I can, I can go with it. Mm-hmm. And people say they heard three shots. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we gotta we gotta watch ourselves on this now. <laughs> <laughs> we put it on the record. Uh, yeah, like uh, I mean, we could be we could be flagged. I think it would be a funny goal for our podcast. On top of like trying to convey the message of never trust Will Smith and mm-hmm. also keeping tabs on Lizzie Kaplan. Yep, is to try to do or say something on the podcast that it deems uh, being put in the Library of Congress that they have to. For what we have to we say something on the podcast that is significant enough that they have to put the podcast in the Library of Congress. I think that's a reasonable goal. I think so. You know why we could be in the Library of Congress is our coverage of the uh, the Donald Trump election. <laughs> yeah, because nobody did it better. No, we were <laughs> we were clearly dumbfounded. Right, but we did it from a point of view that you know you're not getting on CNN, you're not getting on Fox News, you're only getting on the show show. Yep. And that's why our listeners love, that's why the show show heads now. Another fascinating timestamp was like March 15th when we did the podcast and last year and you came over and it was the last time I saw you for six months. Oh yeah. And I remember I said, I haven't, I don't have a whole lot of a sense of humor about like COVID. Yeah. It was weird. (laughs) Which I was like, now looking back, I should have had more of a sense of humor about that, but I think I was just a little scared. It was really scary. you were like kind of half cut. I think I was You just got back from a bar. Yeah, that's I was right. Like, oh, you're just off gallivanting at a bar? All of a sudden, I was the responsible one. Last bar for quite a while. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's get through a couple more items here. Yes. I watched uh, News of the World, the Tom Hanks movie. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. I'm not down to watch it at all. Like, I'm just not motivated to watch it. Yeah, it kind of just came and went. Didn't really yeah. move the needle. Okay. He's very good in it. The girl is really good in it. The problem is, it's just a slow burn. It's a really yeah. slow uh, start, okay. but about 20 minutes in, 
an action sequence happens. Okay. And you get invested very quickly, and then you're probably good for the rest of the movie. Does he go around reading the news of the world? This is his, he's well, like the first newsman, is that the thing? It's not that he's the first newsman. He's just one of very few people who have this kind of unique way of making a living, where, yeah, he like goes to the big cities, although I think it's largely all in Texas. He goes to the big cities, and he buys the newspapers, and then he goes to the smaller towns, and he reads them the newspaper. That's the... That's the crux of what he's doing while traveling. Yeah. He does very little of that in the movie. Do they pay him for it? These yeah. small towns, they're like, like you pay Thank a dime, you, news man. You pay a dime and you crowd into the, like the 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 little legion or whatever, and he reads the paper, and, and they all respond. A dime seems like kind of a lot. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Everyone pays one dime. Nah, I'm just getting down to the economics. Yeah, you're really you're really stuck on the dime. Sorry, I don't think it matters so much. Okay, uh, so recommend. Do you I, give it your I, ass? I do. I, I give my ass to News of the World. I think okay. it's pretty good. But again, I think it's probably 20 minutes too long because it's a slow start. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of good action sequences, a couple that kind of like feel a little forced. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's like, it's really rare that you get to see an authentic Western movie. They don't make them anymore. And so that was kind of cool. And another thing that I noticed is that it's it seems pretty obvious that the part was written for somebody considerably younger than Tom Hanks. Okay. And he pulls it off because he's Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And he actually looks like a real badass in these clothes that were surely very heavy and itchy and hot. Yeah. Um, I mean, he makes it work. And it's a good script. But I think it was probably written for somebody who's 35. Right. It's probably written for Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. As every Western is yeah. at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, you won't. Did, uh, <laughs> I will if I get desperate enough. I watched the last blockbuster documentary. You and I talked about that off mic. Yeah, that wasn't bad. It's okay. Although we both kind of agreed, like, was Blockbuster that special to us? Well, you know what I remember? On on Waverly Road, there was a video store when I was a kid called Gigantic Video. Okay. And I remember all of their VHS tapes uh, were rented in these pale blue plastic shells. Yeah. Uh, and it had a red stamp on the front that said yeah. Gigantic Video. Do you remember Gigantic Video? I never went to Gigantic Video. I, I was a, a Hollywood video guy sure. in uh, in Coal Harbor. Yeah, you and, and I were a Colby little Plaza. different communities, I yeah. guess. But like, there's a, there's a part in this Blockbuster documentary which basically explains why the Gigantic Videos went away, and right. it was because of Blockbuster. Yeah. Um. But uh, so no, I didn't really feel I didn't really have like the warmth of let's make it a Blockbuster night. Right. But I mean, my family always rented movies. We were right. a, a movie renting family, and so I. I think I, my family thought Blockbuster was too expensive. Yep, it was. Yeah. It was way more expensive than Gigantic Video or like your local convenience store. And then we started going to Roger's Video. I think Roger's Video was like a dollar cheaper or something. And they were across the street. And, and then my were, sister worked there. Roger's was the only one that could rival Blockbuster for stock of a new release. Right. And that was really why, I mean, you'd pay more, mm-hmm. be like eight bucks or whatever to rent like the new Star Wars movie at Blockbuster, but you could guarantee you'd get your hands on it. Mm-hmm. But a thing I remember about Blockbuster, which you don't, is uh, five movies for $5 for five nights. And that was kind of the shit. Yeah, it sounds... Well, I was saying the thing that struck me was when they said no more late fees. And yeah. at the time, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. There must be some like... And then in the movie, they explained, no, like it was actually the worst idea ever. It's what's on Blockbuster. Yeah, it was a, a calamity. And I remember the commercial where they roll out the banner. Yeah. Um. But again, I, I wasn't fixated on the economics of it back then. No. Um, it's and crazy then there's to me. one blockbuster left that is not run in the traditional way. And, no. and this family is, I don't know, kind of crazy for keeping 
keeping it up. But I think it's like kind of a community institution. Yeah, now it's cool. People road trip there and, yeah. and it'll be all right. Like she goes to Target herself every week and buys the DVDs that she'll then rent out, which right. is lunacy. Yeah. Yeah, she's the hardest working blockbuster employee they've ever had. Well, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. she should. They should just promote her to CEO of Blockbuster if she's I'm, the isn't, last. Isn't she kind of? She kind of is. So I don't know who currently owns Blockbuster, but I was fascinated to learn that it was sold for like $300 million in 2010. What, yeah. a, what a huge waste of money. Totally. <laughs> and it, it was bought for how much? Like Hundreds of millions, millions of dollars. Yeah. It was a, a ridiculous time to spend that kind of money on Blockbuster. Yeah. But... They they acknowledged that Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy out Netflix. Yes. And so it is kind of, it, I mean, it can't happen now because they don't have the capital for it. But like, it would be so interesting if they had been able to transition uh, bricks and mortar uh, rental video stores to an online streaming service that competed with Netflix right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So if like Netflix didn't have a five-year head start on every other streaming service, yeah. if there was always two Duracell and Energizer... And it would be interesting to know like what entertainment at home would look like now if that had always been established. Do you think it was such a slam dunk for Netflix to put this like once they made the documentary, they were like, well, obviously we're going to sell it to Netflix because that's the one who like it does kind of ended up screwing over Blockbuster. It does feel smug for Netflix to have put <laughs> to this have out. This. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, people are hating Dr. Oz uh, hosting Jeopardy. I mentioned that last week. You did. I bring it up again because now I can say that I hate Dr. Oz hosting Jeopardy. You didn't officially last week. I hadn't seen him yet. Okay. And now I've seen three episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. Even if he was not a crackpot doctor, which he allegedly is, he's so bad at hosting this show. Really? He seems mean. He's, oh. He has this like complete lack of warmth when somebody gets it wrong he says no in a way that feels really judgmental and really? mean. he's like no <laughs> he tries to extemporize and it always just like turns into marbles in his mouth uh. and other times you can tell he's just reading something that's been pre-written there's nothing natural about him he oh, seems yikes. mean i don't like dr oz okay yeah i'm out i'm out on oz that's all i have to say about that Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, new episode. I kind of thought it was a little boring. It got really good reviews. People loved it, and I kind of thought, nah. I think I might have thought it was better than the first episode. Oh, okay. I like that they're together again. Yeah. Yes, but like, it just seems so rote in Marvel that like the two main characters are heroes, but they're kind of at odds and they bicker a lot. Haven't we done this enough? Yeah, it's true. Hey, I've said from the start that I'm not the biggest marvel fan that there could be i've seen every marvel property but i'm not like a stan yeah i'm not you know i don't wear my incredible hulk hat around it's not like that (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know a stan yeah i don't call captain america cap oh that's a better one you know that's a better example than the hulk hat but like (laughs) that's not real yeah sorry <laughs> now if I see a Hellcat, I'm gonna be kind of tempted. You'll to know buy. a stand when you see one. <laughs> That's right. But I mean like to buy. But uh yeah, like calling Captain America Cap is yep. something that I've heard someone do and I went, You are crazy. And to do it in earnest, I even think it's silly when the Falcon does it. I'm like, Oh yeah, come on. Right. <laughs> He's Steve. Right. You don't yeah. call him Steve? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think Wyatt Russell is gonna be a villain. You think so? Like one of those backdoor villains who seems to have the best of intentions at first, but he doesn't get welcomed into the good guy fray, and so he 
becomes a villain. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, yeah, I think that he's he's going to live long enough to see himself become the villain. It does. Oh, that's kind of what I was getting at. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it does kind of seem like the show is willing to deconstruct some of the problems with the American dream, right? Like mm-hmm. that's clearly what the first episode is going for. And so while I think it's unlikely that Disney Marvel would flat out say, look at this American hero who's literally in the military and has like 15 purple hearts or whatever, yeah. medals of honor, and he's evil. I mm-hmm. think it's unlikely that they would take that position, but maybe they're they're interested in being radical here in our 2021. I think the second episode, even more interestingly, when the cops pull over, like they're out in the middle of the street and the cops roll up after they go to that guy's house who's yep. like a super soldier, and they're like giving Falcon a hard time. Yep. I was like, whoa, are we doing this in a Marvel show? This is crazy. Yeah, but that's pretty safe because that's real. That happens every day. Well, I know, but it, you never see it touched on really. And No, you're right. Also, we've never experienced... This was a big question that I wanted to ask you. Bucky being in Wakanda, we haven't seen that, right? Uh, I don't know. I think this is like... Maybe it's like t- trying to tie in something that we'll see in the future. It's but... just impossible for me to keep track of all this. I, know. I don't know. And again, I find Bucky forgettable. Yeah. I think I'm alone in that. People love Bucky. Right. And then they called him like, like Falcon called him like White Panther or something at this point because he was from Wakanda or because he was living in Wakanda. And then he calls himself a different name. He's like, no, I was this. Oh. And you're like, oh, I don't have any memory of that. What is this? He definitely was not in the movie Black Panther. No. No. But he, he spent time in, in Wakanda. And that's why, mm-hmm. is that why they're saying he has a vibranium, vibranium, vibranium? vibranium arm he does have a vibranium arm almost every character has some degree of vibranium it seems it's not that rare as it turns out no it's not on obtainium no no that's the hardest to obtain thank you for saying that one of the worst named (laughs) items in all of movies when is avatar 2 coming out uh christmas next christmas the year after that maybe Mm -hmm. two years from now five years from now okay it just seems like a funny concept to me (laughs) avatar 2 like the sheen has completely worn off avatar 1 and are 3D movies going to be a thing anymore? Are theatrical movies going to be a thing anymore? Better question. It's going to be a big problem for for Jim Cameron, I think. Mm-hmm. I've had a real uh, sinusoidal attitude about uh, Avatar uh, sequels because at first my instinct was like five Avatar movies 11 years after the first one, that's going to flop. But then I remembered that that's how people felt about the last one. And I don't know, biggest movie of all time. And so then I thought, no, don't ever underestimate James Cameron, who also was told that his Titanic movie would fail. True. So no, maybe it's actually going to somehow, I mean, he sold his soul to the devil after all. Like, it's probably going to be a big hit. And then the pandemic happened, and I'm like, well, theaters aren't going to be a thing, so how could it possibly be a big hit? And now I'm kind of back on the, no, Jim will pull it off. Going to hit rewind on something he said there. Sure. The sold the soul to the devil thing. Is this actually something that's been said? No, but how does a director who's made five movies in his life have two of the biggest movies of all time which have each on their own time been the biggest movie of all time that have nothing to do with one another and he has a bad reputation as not being a very nice person right how does this guy do this well and he's done terminator terminator 2 which were huge blockbusters in their own right he's done aliens alien and aliens wait yeah no that's him but it's also ridley scott did ridley scott directed them well, no, James Cameron did not direct Alien. Okay. No. Maybe he's not involved in the Aliens I think he properties. is involved, but I don't think he directed them. And really, all he wants to do is get in his little submersible and poke around Titanic some more. Drew. 
That's yeah, he's all not he, done he, with the Titanic. No. He's no, making he's, these movies to fund his submersibles. Yeah, he's he's producing a new documentary about uh, a Chinese family that was aboard the Titanic. Really? Yeah. Huh. Hey, what do you think of that uh, Peter Jackson Beatles documentary that I don't think it's out yet, but it's going to be on Disney Plus? Oh, I thought it did come out. Did it come out? I thought I it was came out like a year a ago. Maybe I'm totally Oh, no, wrong. no, no. It did not come out. There was a trailer, like a sneak peek for it, but I don't think the full thing's been released. There's I'm an... actually really interested in that. Yeah, it's probably good. Can we really learn new things about the Beatles at this point? I think we're going to learn. Yeah, like like I, I just want to see like Paul McCartney say something like, you know, I think the salami sandwich is the is really the top. Like, say really <laughs> mundane things yep. that that I'm like, whoa, all right, the dude's a salami sandwich guy. Yeah, you really want to learn that. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Like, we know everything there is to know about the Beatles, so I want to know the really dumb stuff. Well, there's Peter Jackson's another director who has done strikingly few things, and mm-hmm. all of them very big. Granted, all of them kind of in the same world. Yeah, true. Yeah. We got half of them not good. Documentaries about war, yeah. now the Beatles, mm-hmm. and then the rest. Tolkien stuff. Tolkien stuff. Half of which are amazing, half of which are not amazing. Oh, and right. uh, uh, King Kong? Kong? Right. With Jack Black? Kong Skull Island. No. No? I don't th- Kong Skull Island was like a couple years ago, wasn't it? Maybe. Whichever was his, he did one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't see that one either. You're Me. right. Me neither speaking of uh franchise films today this happened just in the last couple hours uh netflix is closing in on a 400 million dollar deal to secure knives out two and three whoa retaining ryan johnson and daniel craig aboard hey look at that yeah i think that's a great move how do you think those sequels are gonna go well i mean they really have an opportunity to be quite serialized in an uh agatha christie kind of way um, but you don't want to, I mean, they're, they're formulaic by nature, but you don't want them to become formulaic of themselves because they were also kind of deconstructive. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think that Benoit Blanc character has legs. Well, it, I feel like you need to make such a departure at this point that he spends like, like the next movie is him like all in one room at the, over the course of like two That'd be hours. Cool. Something like that. Well, what I think they want to not do is spend too much time getting us uh, familiar with the humanity of Benoit Blanc. I don't want to see uh, a spinoff movie about him at the Academy. I don't right. need to know if he has a wife. I His don't, origin story. It's No, that's a huge mistake. Right. Let's, let's make this about the story, make it incredibly plot-centric. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You, well, you should write this for Netflix. <laughs> They just paid $400 million to have Ryan Johnson write it. Yeah, but but you think Ryan Johnson's going to do that solo? I tried to write a murder mystery this year, and I, I, I failed. I've never had so many starts at something before I realized this is not coming out of me. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's because you're not, uh, you're not a dark person. I'm not. I'm not inherently a dark person. But it wasn't that dark either. I, I, okay. It was going to be It was gonna be light. <laughs> the end of the, the book is it's an accident. <laughs> that would be the he ultimate slipped. twist. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of murder mysteries, they bought themselves a little time on releasing Death of the Nile. That got pushed out almost a year again. Wow. And some people suspect it's so the dust can settle on Army Hammer. But other people are like, is the dust ever going to settle on Army Hammer? Or should they, for all the money in the world, him? Yeah. Or seriously, should should we just replace him altogether with Timothy Oliphant? 
Hey, I'm for down some for reason. That. I'm down for Tim Howard. Jen's not. Um, right. But what about uh, Johnny Depp? Are we are we good with him now? Are we like, yeah, Johnny Depp's fine? I don't John, know. But Johnny Depp and Army Hammer, the two, never the tween shall meet at this point, I think. Like, you, you can have an Army Hammer. Maybe you can make an exception for him. But if you're going to rub the Johnny Depp in our face at the same time, then... Right. Well... Boy, that's too much. Johnny Depp's character died in Murder on the Orient Express. So... Spoiler. In... in no, that's the central... That's the murder. That's the murder on okay. the Orient Express. Okay. That's the titular murder. Um, so in the Kenneth Branagh Christie verse, those two characters will never meet. The, considering the two of them are, are kind of nuclear at this point, they could go make another Lone Ranger movie because what do they have oh, to lose? Right. They, that was their second time working together. Yeah. Um, no, it was their first time working together. They've not worked together on uh, sorry, Agatha Christie. Sorry, I, I meant... Uh, oh, wait. So is, is Army Hammer... He wasn't in the first movie either? So that's the whole point of these. And it's going to be similar, I think, with Knives Out, with the exception of maybe... Whole new cast. Uh, Anna de Armas. Is, yeah, they're ensemble pieces that okay. you just kind of retain your inspector. Gotcha. And so... Um, I forget the the famous uh, French guy who Kenneth Branagh plays, the guy with the mustache, but it'll be an all-new ensemble and an otherwise good cast. Um, they probably thought they were pretty safe getting Army Hammer, but like in all seriousness, like they, they might have to replace him. What he, if he eats Daisy Ridley? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> so he like eating people. Yeah. We know he like eating people, but... Um, has he has he done anything more to tarnish his his resume? Oh yeah, no, there was all kinds of like actual allegations. Like right. it's it's not just this. Gee, that's a weird kink anymore. No, it's he sounds like he's probably not a very good guy, like an abusive man. It would be interesting if they replaced him digitally with Josh Pence, the other Winklevoss. <laughs> oh, yeah, now who's probably talking. out there going, "This is my time, baby." Yeah, I already got erased he's once, licking his lips. Yeah, I like that. Was he the was he the scheduled other Winklevoss? So they cast these two guys thinking they look enough alike that maybe they could play twins. And right. then they did the screen test and they're like, no, this doesn't work at all. And so Josh Pence stuck around. Yeah. And then afterward, they digitally put Army Hammer's face on Josh Pence's body. Oh, wow. And had Army Hammer double the lines again, which sucks even more. They couldn't even keep Josh Pence's voice in. They're paying him for his body. Yeah. Just to sit in the chair. Mm. And they just deep faked Army Hammer over him. <laughs> that is before deep faking was a thing. That's and then, crazy. And then it became the movie that pretty much everyone agrees is the best movie of the decade. Right. <laughs> and then that man ended up being a yeah. kind of a sick, yeah. a sick guy. Wow. Um, yeah. Don't know what to say about Army Hammer. That hasn't already been said. Do you, do you remember the staircase? No. We talked about the staircase on the show show. It's a documentary about a guy yes. who was accused yeah, of yeah. pushing his wife down the stairs. Um, so Becky actually just watched that docuseries. She was a little behind on it, but she got like quite invested in it. And now it's going to be a dramatized thing, a movie, I think, okay. about the trials of Michael Peterson. Okay. And Colin Firth is going to play the guy. The guy, the pusher. Well, allegedly. But he he's, he's free. He's a free man right now. And I don't think he did it. Okay. Yeah, there was theories that i'm trying to remember the story the now. memorable theory is that something about bees no close <laughs> is that an owl an owl came into the house yeah and it's a very conceivable thing those owls are hostile and they exist in the woods in which their house was 
Yeah. And there were like marks on the back of her scalp that right. could have been like bird talons. And I'm sure if we went back, I would have told the story around this point about how I was once golfing with uh, uh, me and my friend were golfing with a kid who was probably like 12, maybe younger. And he fancied himself like a really good golfer and mm. was kind of like a hot shot through the whole round. And uh, saw we, we saw an owl and this kid was annoying us the whole time. We saw an owl up in a tree and we, uh, the kid was like, whoa, look at that owl. And we were like, oh, don't look it in the eyes. And I kid you not, this owl swooped down on and the, took kid, the kid, <laughs> lifted him up. And that was the last and we saw never him. saw him. He, <laughs> he made a bogey. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> dropped him in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a hole in one. Uh, no, he, uh, yeah, swooped down on him, like knocked the kid over and just kind of like flew away. But we were like, oh my God. Wow. It's actually a crazy story. I said that when I randomly see this guy that, that I was golfing with at the time, anytime I see him, I see him maybe like once every three years. And I go, remember the time that we were golfing and the owl? And he's like, like of course I do. Down? That's my singular memory about you. He's like, I tell, yeah, I tell everyone the story. <laughs> So you're saying that Michael Peterson's innocent. I'm, I'm saying free the man. Yeah, he's free. He's out there. He's fine. He's okay, old now, though. Good. He's old and tired. Keep him free. I mentioned to you that Kate McKinnon's not going to play Elizabeth Holmes in Hulu's The Dropout about um, about the uh, Theranos lady. Yes. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is going to play her instead, which seems like a real upgrade to me. Yeah. Downgrade maybe for her. Yeah, maybe. She's She might win an Oscar yeah. <laughs> next month. She probably won't, but it could happen. Feels like she could be like the new Michelle Williams. Maybe. Who kind of started and not necessarily as as uh, big roles and then... As obviously a very big Michelle Williams fan. Yeah. I'd need a little time to think about that, yep. about the sure. about the emotion of that. Okay. I think Amanda Seyfried is a great comedic actor. Okay. No question. And I've got a Mean Girls thing coming up in Kaplan Corner, so sit tight. Oh, great. Um, also, Naveen Andrews is going to be in the dropout on Hulu. Who's that? Saeed from Lost. Oh. You light up it. like the sun. You're like, yeah, Saeed, where you Saeed. been? Yeah, he hasn't been in anything. Amazing actor. I think a lot of the people who were on Lost made a lot of network TV money when the show was like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. And they're like, I'm going to semi-retire and keep living in Hawaii because this is sweet. We're good. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for Daniel Faraday. He hasn't been in anything. Uh, Why Daniel Faraday? I just always like really appreciated that character. Ross and I were saying the other day that the guy who played Desmond hasn't turned up in very much Desmond stuff. Desmond was great. I loved Desmond. Yeah. The Hatch. Yeah. Big part of the show. Definitely was. All right. We're closing in on uh, the last couple of things here. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to mention. No, here's a couple of little things. American Gods got canceled. Yes. Not a Not a great surprise. No. Young Sheldon got renewed for three seasons. Three seasons. That's a big commitment. Doesn't that make you feel kind of cynical? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I hate to be a snob, but like, guys, there's better stuff out there. Come on. And uh, some big casting announcements for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series at Disney+. Plus. That was big news, yes. Kamel Nanjiani's going to be in it. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. The actress who played Jolene in Queen's Gambit is going to be in it. Yes. She was a real scene stealer. Yep. Benny Safdie is going to be in it. Yes, that was the other one that was crazy. That's really bizarre. I didn't even know he was an actor, but he was in good time. He was. And notably, uh, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar, has confirmed that he will not be appearing in the Obi-Wan series. He's like, leave me out of this. Yeah. Okay. Which, to be fair, is kind of an okay question, because at this point in... Hayden the, Christensen's in it. Well, he is, yeah. But in the chronology, Jar Jar is possibly still alive and possibly still a senator. Right. And so, like, it's... I don't know. Any any kind of, like, abetted Palpatine's rise to, to evil? True. 
I'm not going to break it down for you. No, watch, I was just sorry. I was, I was thinking really hard there for a second. Yeah. Anyway, let's get off prequel territory. That's all I got. We should talk about uh, Mighty Ducks. Okay. Well, hey, let me try to recap. I read some synopsi, um, and I think that I could give a good breakdown if I'm not on a clock. Okay. So I'll try to do the first two movies. I watched them the last two nights. And then the third one, I just kind of read the synopsis for. Okay. And there's just three movies. There's just three movies. Okay. Okay. So Coach Bombay is actually, he starts as Lawyer Bombay. This is Emilio Estevez's character. Right. He uh, is a hotshot defense lawyer who doesn't care about anything but getting the win. Like, he's like, he'll do whatever it takes. Um. He ends up uh, jumping in his sports car after an awesome victory uh, in the courtroom. And, and he's like drinking a beer, like while driving, gets pulled over. He's like <laughs> what a blaring like 80s music. Uh, and anyways, he ends up representing himself against the lawyer that he just embarrassed, who is like trying to prosecute him for drunk driving. And they end up saying, okay, you're going to have to do community service. Somehow uh, they time because he was such a good peewee hockey player mm-hmm. like he was like an all-star peewee hockey player mm-hmm. this is a big thing sure um he <laughs> ends up going to have to coach a peewee hockey team he rolls up to this random outdoor pond and gets his driver to pull like onto the ice uh and this ragtag group of kids in in uh minnesota are on the ice and that's the team that he has to coach. This is, they're essentially practicing. They're wearing like, you know, like none of them can skate. They're just like falling all over the place. They've got football pads on. Anyways, they're a bunch of near do wells and he ends up taking them on to coach them. He starts out by like, they, they have their first game and he's like, this is a joke. You guys aren't able to do anything. You're, this is awful. So he starts trying to teach the team how to, cheat like how to take dives oh which is a strange tactic like taking dives is something that's just kind of weird anyway so he's like sell the call be indignant this is how we win sell the call be indignant (laughs) he's trying to tell the team this and coffee uh, is for closers that's right and then (laughs) and then joshua jackson like a 10 year old joshua jackson is like like they go in the dressing room and he's like hey i'm not gonna i'm not we're not gonna do this by cheating this is the like the wrong thing to do and like a parent an angry parent comes in and they leave uh so he goes like he very quickly is like you know what that's right that is the wrong thing to do and he marches into his boss's office and says like hey our team needs equipment can you like sponsor the team and the boss is like okay you're still on leave but yeah i'll give you this money to make a team so he has a conscience he has a conscience he's like yeah they're they're gonna be well your name's Mr. Ducksworth. We'll we'll name the team after you. They'll be the Mighty Ducks, oh. and and so they end up. Uh, he ends up like, you know, teaching them how to pass eggs on the ice, which is a terrible idea. There's, it's like, hey, you gotta have soft hands. Uh, it would ruin the ice. It, the Zamboni driver would be absolutely infuriated. Anyways, uh, so they do stupid stuff like that, and they end up winning more and more games by like really doing really weird stuff on the ice too. Um, like really weird plays. The flying V for instance is, okay. is one that I remember everyone that. knows. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying I actually remember, which I'm surprised by. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Joshua Jackson is trying to hook 
coach Bombay up with his mom, like being very forceful about it. Like well, you guys should go there alone and be <laughs> together. Like he like really wants this to happen because Pacey's the pipe prince of Beantown. All he thinks about <laughs> is sex and it works for him. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Even as a child. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention he's child Pacey. No, I understand. <laughs> There's only one Joshua Jackson. It's a good one, by the way. Yeah. Um, so anyways, ragtag group they end up the big thing is that he's like scarred by this peewee hockey coach that his dad had died that year but he was an unreal he was an unreal peewee hockey player he scored 198 goals in great. one season great which is the math does not work no. out at all no look this. you can't do the math on greatness and hans the kind of conscience the the skate sharpener who like ended up kind of like taking Gordon under his wing as a child who like at one point Gordon goes to visit him and he buys all the kids hockey gear with money from the anyways from the uh Mr. Ducksworth yeah uh he he's like Gordon you were having so much fun like you could have he's like could have gone all the way I know <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're in peewee well like no one's saying this about kids in peewee no um anyways he ends up uh the coach was like all about winning and he's like, Hey, you got to win this game for us or else you're really letting us down. It was the state championship. And he's like constantly thinking about this. He's like a little kid who, who misses the penalty shot. And like, you know, he like dings it off, off the uh, post. And Joshua Jackson says, Charlie Conway says, yeah, but he's like, and I missed it by three inches, Charlie, three inches. And he's like, yeah, but, three more inches and you wouldn't miss the neck completely. And he's like, oh, I never thought about it that way, <laughs> which is a weird Why point. Why is that motivational? Yeah. <laughs> um, you could have been way worse. Yeah. He's like, either way you missed the goal. And yeah. then it, why did it affect your life so much? We'll never know. Right. Uh, anyways, Charlie ends up in the, in the championship game ends up getting uh, hacked while he's like in front of the net. And this is in, in the dying seconds of the game. He ends up, getting the the game winning and like you know Emilio Estevez is like hey Charlie go out there and have fun like that's the big thing is like it's all just supposed to be about fun anyways uh Charlie ends up scoring the winning goal and that's Mighty Ducks one okay I'm really surprised to hear that they win at the end of the first one and I don't know why I was ascribing so much credibility to the Mighty Ducks franchise but I kind of thought they followed a rocky format and that they lost in the first installment dude I like Everything about rewatching this has surprised me because I thought, like I told you earlier, that they were like kind of reasonable movies to watch and you watch them now and it's like watching like I don't I I'm just trying to think of like a a really really bad movie. Yeah, it makes no sense. Like it makes no sense. And all, everything I saw on Wikipedia is like they were loved by fans and hated by critics and yeah. it makes so much sense. Like you you laugh at everything they do in this. First of all, there are things that if I was writing it, like I'm talking about someone who's never written anything in my life, I wouldn't be able to get past things that they do in it because it yeah. would just make me so I'd be like, no, no one's going to buy yeah, it. Like this no breaks one's, the rules of narrative. You, you yeah. can't do that. I mean, I can't even just do. Uh, so the second movie is almost even more egregious. Great. Where the gang's getting back together again. It's so the, at the, the movie, the mighty ducks end with coach Bombay. Who's like a 30 something year old lawyer going to try to make the minor leagues like Excellent. the NHL minor leagues. Okay. Is that the team that's referenced in the new series? 
When there's a photo of him in the office? Yes, probably. Okay, yes, gotcha. that would be the only time. Okay. So he ends up going to the minor leagues to like see if he can potentially get to the NHL. And they're like, you go do it, coach. Because he ends up getting fired. Oh, my God. I missed the the best part of the first. Okay. okay. One of the you most, walk out of here. Don't ever walk back in. One of the most egregious things in the whole first movie, which I had such a problem with, and I can't believe this is supposed to make Coach Gordon Bombay a hero, mm-hmm. is the Hawks, the enemy team, right. who his former coach is coaching. Right, the Cobra Kais. That's right. Exactly. The Cobra Kais. He finds out that Adam Banks, this really good player on the other team, is actually... Um, and this is after like Gordon Bombay's character turn where he's like being a good guy. Yeah. Um, he finds out that this player on the other team is actually in their district and Ooh. calls in like a league official to literally take him from their bench and bring him to the other bench <laughs> and go so like he poaches a player and go like, no, you're on our team. Like, fair's fair and like you're not able to play for this team. Does he think that this Adam guy would be like, all right, I'm I'm with you guys. Exactly. Now. Like he's a child playing for a hockey team with his friends. With his friends. <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying that's not right, allowed. You're on the loser idiot team yeah. now. So Adam ends up being like a stud and playing for the Ducks and actually ends up getting like like terrorized by this Terry guy who calls him a cake eater. And he's like, hey, cake eater. Like, Sick burn. Like, finally, he ends up getting like hacked down so hard. He, he's con- completely concussed Jesus. on the ground. He's unconscious. Yeah. Uh, and I think he scores, but like he's completely out. So they have to take him out of the game. And like it's in that moment that Terry's standing by and he's like, hey, you know what? You're all right, cake eater. And I was like, <laughs> Adam at this point should go like, yeah, are we cool? Like, yeah. I just almost died to like get this team a W. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so flash forward to, to D2. So this shows you the kind of like plot we're dealing with. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, D2, Gordon ends up getting approached by this kind of like, uh, rep for, uh, like sportswear company. And he's like, we're sponsoring the team USA in the like world youth hockey championships. Okay. And it's happening in LA. So Gordon Bombay is like, okay, I'm going to go get my team together. So he basically gets the Mighty Ducks from like two years before. This is after he's been hacked in the minor leagues. Like he like, he, he gets... When you say hacked, do you mean like... He, he gets slashed. Slashed with a stick. He gets slashed with a stick and okay. it like tears his ACL or something. Like right. he's walking with a cane afterwards. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um. And he's like, I was so close. Like I could have could have went all the way but that slash like brought me down and that was that and it's like dude you're like almost in your 40s you're not going to play any games in the nhl even if you had 198 goals as a pb <laughs> hockey player yeah. so uh yeah <clears throat> the whole gang gets back together and it's literally like the cliche like hey like they're going like to everyone's job like hey right. averberg like come on out hey Goldberg, like come out of the deli one's at like the movie theater one's at the deli they're, one's like shooting pucks in his driveway and they're all on rollerblades roller rollerblading to like meet right. coach Bombay. This is reminding me of the opening uh theme song for zoom do you remember zoom yeah going around the neighborhood and, yep yep it's like that okay it's great. actually like that awesome um and <laughs> so they get the whole team together and this team for some reason is representing the entire usa 
this sure. team from Minnesota that was like so <laughs> shitty <laughs> like two years ago. Right. And Coach Bombay hasn't coached them for two years. He's just like, hey, I was a coach two years ago and got approached by this guy who wants to sponsor us and bring us. Like he saw our article in the number one hockey pub- publication that said, we are the best PB team. Okay. So now let's go to the world championships. Um, they end up going to LA and there's like a whole storyline of like coach Bombay getting too into like the Hollywood lifestyle. Like he cares more about like endorsement deals and like, he's not taking his job seriously enough. Meanwhile, there's like a whole underlying thing of they introduce like, like five more characters maybe. Okay. And one guy's, um, new hockey players. Yeah. Yeah. One guy's Blake, and okay. he is a uh, cowboy. Great. So he's like, he's literally out there with like a, a lasso on the ice. Okay. He's saying like, giddy up, yeehaw. Like he clinks he, when he walks. Yeah. He's yeah. he's like handling the puck, and he says like, this is easier than herding cattle. Oh, like my God. Like he actually says this. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Um, I never saw this movie. There's Julie, who is Jen. Jen it's Jen's favorite one. She's okay. like, I saw this one the most. All right. Uh, Julie, who's like a, a female goaltender from Bangor, Maine. There's who's like really good, like way better than Goldberg. Um, who else do we have? We've got uh, Maurice, who is the insanely talented hockey player from Miami who doesn't know how to stop. Yeah. And then there's uh, this other guy who's like one of the bash bros, who's like literally <laughs> like gets under the ice and he pushes everyone down and he starts like 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 pretending to play air guitar cool and the a big thing about the the mighty ducks is everyone dresses like they're in pearl jam okay there's like leather jackets and like flannel tops that are tied around waists and stuff and it's it's kind of like that right but especially this guy who has like a bandana on and (laughs) is like like probably 20 okay and the kids are like 13 right Anyways, he's on the team too. Cool. He's an enforcer. Yeah. And he was brought by the agent. He's the goon. Yeah. 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 He was brought by like the sports, uh, uh, the sponsor guy. Anyways. Uh, so Coach Bombay is kind of screwing off. <laughs> this is like we <laughs> minute 10. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I knew I should have consolidated this a little better. But You're getting there. I just kind of wanted to talk it out with you. I'm, I'm riveted. Don't okay. get me wrong. Good. Um, so Coach Bombay is getting... Uh, kind of distracted by these endorsement deals. They end up getting heckled by Keenan Thompson at all of their games. I do forget that Keenan Thompson's around here. Yeah. And, yeah. and for some reason, their biggest competition in the first game, <laughs> the team that they play is Trinidad and Tobago. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> They've got like tie dye jerseys and stuff. Oh, that's not good. No. And, and there's, yeah, there's people playing like steel drums in the crowd. No. Oh yeah. They're really leaning into oh, it. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And, uh, like you could tell that it was right after cool runnings and it was just like, they thought this was going to be a, a kind of a nod to, to tropical culture. Sure. Um, and then, so Iceland is weirdly the best. It's a little on the nose, but they're the best hockey team. Although Iceland has probably never had a professional hockey team in their lives. No, but they're called Iceland. And so yes, they figure so that's, that's easy to understand for a kid's movie. Yeah. yeah. And their coach is like a really bad, um, he played in the NHL, but he was like a, a hardcore like enforcer who was just super dirty. That's also straight out of Karate Kid. Yes. Continue. Yes, exactly. And he actually kind of looks like the guy like, from Karate like Kid. Crease. Like Crease, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's a few things happening there. Keenan Thompson kind of like 
challenges them on the field while Emilio Estevez is, is messing off. And he's like, hey, we're on rollerblades. We're playing over here. Come play like the South Central kids. And the Ducks go and, and learn some lessons that don't really make sense from the South Central kids. Like, hey, yeah, you got to work hard and you got to dig, okay? Like, yeah, that's that's what sports is about. Right. Um, anyways, they, gentle also, hands or they also adopt, they bring Russ onto the team because he's got this shot called the knuckle puck, even though he like can't skate at all where he flips the puck on the side, which is not a reliable thing to do. Nope. And then slap shots. And it's like, kind of like a curve. He's like, it's kind of unpredictable, but it's like my specialty. Okay. And uh, so they somehow allow a new player onto this world championship team. Okay. No um, rules. No rules. Uh, Emilio Estevez sorts his life out and decides to come back Uh to coach the team after they all confront him about how he's not actually paying attention. And he's got a really bad attitude. He's like, you can't afford to lose. Like he, he, he just <laughs> slips right back into like early mighty ducks, Emilio Estevez. Right. When he's just like yelling at them for no reason. Okay. Um, well, that is who he is to be fair. The thing is, yeah. The thing about coach Bombay is he does not, there should be like a guiding light the whole time. And I guess it's supposed to be Hans. And in the second movie, Hans's brother, like Jan, uh -huh. who, is the new Hans for the rest of the trilogy. Um, and he's the one who's like, hockey should be about fun. Right. And, but he still doesn't have a good attitude in the Game Changer series. He's still like a grumpy old yeah, bastard. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, you, you he's supposed to be teaching these kids and he's always the one who's like really messing up. Yeah. With the kids too, though. To be fair, he's like, he's given up his life of luxury. And I, I can't help but wonder like, what uh, Coach Bombay's friends and like mother are thinking of their friend who's clearly having like some kind of uh, breakdown. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he gave up his law practice yeah. to go coach peewee hockey. Yeah. Hang out with 13 year olds. Yeah. He, he ends up going, they end up going to the championship game and the game winning play ends up being <laughs> they they all go up the ice, including the goalie, Goldberg. They pass it back to Goldberg. Goldberg takes his helmet off. You realize it's not Goldberg. Sure. It's Russ Keaton Thompson who lines up a knuckle puck. He pulled the mission impossible. With, yeah, which also you can't do. No. You can't disguise a goalie as someone else. <laughs> like there's so many things, that, even like plays that are just like clearly just interference. It's just like the Bash brothers are just killing people and then like turning to the crowd and like being like, yeah, let's go. Let's everyone, let's go. Like, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, and do they win in the second they, movie? They win in the second movie, and then it flashes to a campfire where they all sing We Are the Champions around God. the campfire. So they never lose. They don't lose. And in the third movie, um, this is kind of an easy one because I didn't watch it, so I won't get caught up with details that don't matter. Because um, even while I talked about D2, there were a bunch of details that I missed. But sure. I'll, I'll keep going. D3, basically... They all got scholarships because of winning the, the championship. So they're right. all at this university. And there's some other varsity people at this university that uh, they all need to get along with. Charlie doesn't like that so much. And then he doesn't like the coach, Coach O'Ryan. But eventually, uh, Coach Bombay, who somehow didn't move up to also coach them in university, which is actually like a surprisingly astute thing to do, given right. that he's always been the coach. And he has to pay rent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what he's doing professionally in the third one. You'd think maybe his career in law could like play somewhat of a part, but yeah. no, it's all hockey from okay. here on in. Um, anyways, he's, uh, 
he's like, no, Coach O'Ryan's the real deal. And then they form a bond and they end up winning the championship. So yeah, the the Ducks are winners. That's good. It seems like at some point there could have been a lesson about how winning isn't everything. Yeah, it's true. And and I think it kind of uh was like like Josh Jackson has does nothing in in one or two. He is not he's like kind of weirdly the main character, like the kid actor. Like he's like the heart of the show. He's supposed to be, but he doesn't do anything on the ice. Like it never shows him doing anything to the okay. point that he gives his jersey up for well, Russ, who just randomly walks on. He's like, no, nah, you should be on the team. They're clearly setting up the same dynamic with the Game Changers show. So they're filling the team with this like scrappy little group of weird kids who all have like their thing. But yeah. Evan, the main kid, doesn't have a thing. Do you want to recap this? I can recap it. Okay. Well, have we said everything about the movies that needs to be said? I didn't. I only I ever so. saw the first one and I don't remember it that well, although it sounds kind of familiar to me. I do like the idea of you just doing 12 minute recaps of whole <laughs> series <laughs> of movies. Trilogies. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that was entertaining. Off the, the dome, no less. Well, that was the biggest thing. So I plan on doing, and this is why I kept getting caught at home because like, I was I was like, okay, I'm about to do this. I was updating my laptop, and, and so I couldn't write on that. And then Jen's like, hey, can you help me put a shower curtain up? And I wanted to be like, no. No. I need to do show the show stuff. The ducks need me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack. I remember there being an animated Mighty Ducks TV series. Yes. And it was not about, like, kids being no. underdogs. It was about, like, they were adults, but they were actual ducks. They're actual ducks. And there ducks. was, like, a villain who was the devil or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who the who the villain was but i remember that being really legit and like uh there's a name like ian zeering i don't know ian zeering okay Uh, okay i thought he was like a famous actor anyway he was one of the actors in this very possibly i just don't know that name um yeah no like all of the characters it was like ducktales like they're they're like like uh quackers mcgee and like yeah like you know wings Mick, I mean, it's all, a part, it's all a part of the, the, the Disney universe to the extent that like I'm looking at the Mighty Ducks logo on the jerseys in the Game Changers show. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, it's kind of cool that they designed this logo to look like Walt drew it. Right. Like, and, it kinda, and it was an actual NHL logo for I know. Like, quite some time. But they don't use it anymore. They don't. They're not the Mighty Ducks anymore. They're just the Ducks, the right. Anaheim Ducks. Are they still owned by Disney? They're not. Oh, not at all. No, that was actually relatively brief, I think. But then I think they... I th- I think maybe they were loosely affiliated with Disney for a while. Yeah. And then I think they officially like within the last 15 years completely. But like Anaheim is where Disney California is. Yeah. And oh, it's it's almost like they shouldn't still be the Ducks because it's just you kind of can't remove the Disney from their brand. And it's such a weird, non-intimidating uh, team name. Yeah. Quackers. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of like how our local sports team is. The Mooseheads, which is clearly named after a beer, and every beer other than Moosehead seems to sponsor them now. Yeah, true. I completely forget that they're that they're named after a beer because it's that's just something started. that's that's so normal to, Hel- to say. It's so funny that like not only could, they couldn't be the Halifax Moose as a nod to it, it no. was the Halifax Mooseheads, like Continu- literally like a <laughs> yeah. taxidermed animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to recap the pilot episode of the Mighty Ducks. Game Changers, which okay. is the new spinoff series on Disney Plus. Love it. I, have, I have a written recap, so hopefully this doesn't run too long. But count me down. All right, you're gonna recap uh, the Ducks Game Changers in a, in a uh, very short time, 
in three, two, one, go. Evan plays for the legendary Mighty Ducks. He's like 12 years old, but he gets cut because he's not that good. And according to the coach, he should just not bother. Don't bother, says the coach. And then his mother, who's Lauren Graham, uh, goes on kind of a rant against the whole attitude of don't bother, that the, the kids should just be like having fun. Um, and she then convinces her son to start a new hockey team, which just involves like other local misfits. Uh, she finds a, a new rundown rink where they can practice. She hires uh, coach Emilio Estevez, uh, and he kind of has lost his love for the game. <laughs> Because he has that negative attitude that we talked about before. Yeah. And then in the end, Evan and his new friends, uh, they kind of like pull together this team of like ragtag hockey nerds or not even like hockey enthusiasts. Right. And they announce themselves as the Don't Bothers. That's the, the name of their bothers. team. Yeah. Which is my least favorite thing in the show. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they should call themselves that. I, I realize that's like, it's a really ham-fisted reference to like this this attitude that mm -hmm. they wanted to like build about the the series about how like everybody should be able to play and enjoy themselves yeah which sounds to me like definitely a better moral than the movies touted yeah it's it's a better overall show than any of the movies were i think that's true it's more but, bearable. but i also think it's it's very forced and I, they should have found a way to make it call make them called like the game changers right or or i think that's probably what they'll become Maybe. I think they're the don't bothers in the first episode. The It reminds me of Oneaters. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I don't right. know why. It's just the same kind of rhythm. Uh, the show is still called the Mighty Ducks. And now yeah. the Mighty Ducks are the bad guys. So yeah, that's very they're strange. they're the new Hawks. Yeah. 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 Which I guess is a good take. The uh, the coach is from Letterkenny. Who? The, the long-haired coach. Oh. Yeah. He does seem Canadian. There's something yeah. very Canadian about the show. Yeah. And he, he was a hockey player. It was filmed in Vancouver, I think. Um, but he was like a junior hockey player. And uh, he plays a hockey player in, in the show Letterkenny, too. Um, but La very funny. In that. Lauren Graham has a really good, uh, charming, hot mess energy. Yeah. She always plays someone who's like kind of scattered but totally. likable. Great, believable hockey mom. Yep. Um, Believe the whole show. And and honestly, like I found it way funnier than the actual it's Mighty It's freaking Ducks. hilarious. It's actually funny. That podcast kid is okay. so funny. So he they this he like he comes out that he he's like the commentator and he comments and he has like a little hockey podcast. Yeah. Called the Wraparound, which is a great name it's for a, great a hockey name. podcast. It's just a great concept that the local kid who like he's he's today's version of a water boy. Yeah. And so he loves the game. And he's one of the kids who kind of gets roped into joining this new ragtag team. Oh, he's thrilled to join. Yeah, he's so excited to join. And Evan basically says to him, like, just so you know, we're not going to be any good. And and this kid goes, no, I agree. I wouldn't be an asset physically. I have more of a podcast body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything that kid says from that point on is so funny. It is. Um, they meet this uh canadian kid who moves across the street and they think he's going to be a dead ringer and i loved how this flipped it on his head he comes out and cannot skate at all i, he's like, I laughed out loud at that twist <laughs> i forgot to mention i'm really bad or i suck or something he's the new kid in town and he rolls up and he's got like 900 dollars skates yeah. and he like looks like a hockey kid he's got like hockey hair and he loves the leafs and yeah. he just seems like he's gonna crush it and he can't even stand on skates right and i thought that was funny and we don't know why Coach Bombay hates hockey. He's like, there's no hockey on this rink. I hate hockey. No, that's so ridiculous. It's <laughs> such a like, it's it's this last Jedi Luke Skywalker attitude of like, what's happened to our hero in the meantime? Right. But if you actually like look back, like you said in your recaps, Coach Bombay was always kind of a dickhead. Right. And hockey was a huge part of his life that he like 
like had already turned off and then turned back to and it made him realize all the great things yeah uh some of the other kids well there's the kid who's playing like playstation in his basement mm-hmm. and he's gonna be the goalie like it, it's it's that was funny to me too well it's funny it's just so bizarre they just start throwing stuff at him and he's blocking <laughs> i wondered him. about that like he's like he won't take his eyes off his video game and then to prove that they know that he has this gift for blocking they just start biffing stuff at his head yeah and he blocks it all and then later on, somebody throws a Snapple bottle and he reaches into frame and, and stops it. But like, it's, <laughs> couldn't we, like, it's just so obvious that he's the goalie. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the characters that you're meeting along the way that are going to be on the team, like the, the kid who's like a bit of a daredevil and like launches himself into a vending machine because it was a dare. Right. And as, as soon as I ask him, I'm like, well, why aren't you daring him? He yeah, just should. said, like, you got to do anything if someone dares you to do it. Yeah, I knew that was going to come back around. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a good pilot. I didn't think it would be. I was like, this is going to be kind of a slog. No. At least it's only 40 minutes. Honestly, I could definitely see myself watching the next one. It's not bad at all. And if I didn't watch the movies, I would have said, yeah, it's no Mighty Ducks movies, but like it'll do. But this is far better than the movies. <laughs> the quality is just way better. And yeah. it's, I think, also written by Steve Brill, who apparently has like brushed up on his uh, writing ability for for these same guy same guy yeah no it has a real comedic sensibility that podcast kid he kind of reminded me of jonathan lipnicki like he's not as like young or as adorable as lipnicki was who is in the 90s like the jerry Maguire kid oh yeah sure um but he has like a funny raspy voice like that kid yeah just it's everything he says is kind of funny and i found evan to be a little vanilla yeah but overall i thought it was good yeah I think we give it our S. And I think the attitude of like, shouldn't kids just be able to have fun? I actually think that totally tracks because I, I often wonder if I would have been more athletically inclined if you weren't at like eight years old expected to be more uh, culturally competitive about your peewee hockey team. Man, and and like the, I've, and I don't know if it's just, I thought it was just here because like Sidney Crosby grew up here. So now all these kids their goal is to go to the NHL and their parents become way too intense about it. And it was when I was growing up too, like, you know, parents that are like, no, you got to try and like do the, but I love that that is highlighted in this show. Like that is the true villain is like, stop trying to take fun away from hockey. They have parent contracts now for like spectator sports for, for, for kids organizations. Like parents have to agree to not engage, to never like argue with coach, yeah. to never or ref or other parents. Exactly. Never like or yell. yell at the kid. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise it gets pretty nasty. Totally. And so many of these parents think that their kid is the next Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. Genuinely think it. It's really sad and effed up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is sad. Anyways. Every now and then you get a mighty ducks though. Every now and then a duck comes Against along. all odds. What? As. Quack, quack. As. As one of the characters says to the cake eater, Adam Banks, in D1, Mighty Ducks, you can't just put on a jersey and call yourself a duck. I'm not sure what the lesson is there. <laughs> there that's the thing. These quotes are said all the time. It's that meaningless. just don't mix. And I was like, also, it's a very literal thing, too. You can't yeah. just put on a jersey and call yourself a duck. No well, one's ever going to be a duck. That's true. You are what you are. Yeah. A human boy. That's right. <laughs> So, uh, the, uh, oh no, I lost my sheet. Dink, dink, dink. You just uh, let the hockey, show oh, die. And he dropped the sheet and he picked the sheet up. 
so insider did this uh, retrospective piece on on mean girls okay and they've quoted lizzie kaplan actually it's something she said quite a while ago yeah but where she indicated that she sees her character janice ian as being a mean girl too and i thought that was interesting perspective wow that is interesting yeah was that her first role no no well, she was in Freaks and Geeks, interestingly. She had a small role in Freaks and Geeks. But I think she's one of those people who was like around to do a lot of things. Well, and she was already 30 when she was in, you know, playing a high schooler in, in Mean Girls. I guess she was kind of like the sarcastic, like... Well, I, I, to be fair, everybody in Mean Girls is a mean girl. Because right. Katie turns out to be one, too. Mm. So no one's safe from being a mean girl. No. Tina Fey's not a mean girl. No, is she, I guess. Isn't she supposed to kind of be the lesson? Well, yeah, but know. she's not a very happy person. She's no. kind of pathetic in it. Did she write Mean Girls? Yes. Tina Fey wrote Mean Girls. It's based on a book, which I think has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other movie that she's written? Tina Fey? Well, I think she spent a lot of time writing like Kimmy Schmidt and 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah. Those were her big And And now Mr. Mayor. Maybe maybe she's a little more hands-off on that, but that got renewed, by the way. Did it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. Ready for Will and Jada? Let's hear it. Their production company has signed seven-year-old Russian YouTube star Anastasia Radzginskaya. I guess this this little girl yeah. gets like millions of hits on TikTok and YouTube, and she's making money hand over fist. And now she is an asset of the Will Smith Corporation. Wow. Big Smith owned her. <clears throat> Big yep. Willie style That's right. incorporated. Yeah. She's part of that now. Oh, my God. So... How old is she? Seven. She's from Russia. Seven. She's from Russia and her name is Anastasia, which is such a cliche. So you're telling me that Will Smith is buying Russian seven-year-olds? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Would you disagree with that, Sweets? Well, look, in a business way, she is an asset of the Will Smith company. Mm -hmm. I find that interesting (laughs) (laughs) and disgusting. But Lizzie Kaplan's great. Yeah, she's doing okay. I give my ass to the Ducks show, by the way. Yeah, I think we both did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's leave on a happy note then. Okay. Hey, uh, cheers. Enjoy your drinking tomorrow. That's right. Be safe. Hey, well, you're going to be there. Yeah. No, I just meant like, cause, but I drank yesterday. Oh, okay. So like, there we go. It, granted, it tasted horrible. <laughs> right. But you downed it. Well, I didn't waste it. Yeah. Tomorrow, we'll cheers and we'll both enjoy it. That's right. Yeah. Q2. Okay. A positive. I, this is Q2. something that started to happen on the podcast lately where in the last two minutes, and I think it's Will Smith, uh-huh. Will Smith kills the show. <laughs> Have you noticed this? Because yeah, we so, does I find something that's not interesting about Will Smith and, and it's new, and we try and find some way to say that it's that it's untrustworthy. You don't trust him. And that we just kind of like lose ourselves and lose the moment. Uh-huh. And so I guess the lesson today is that Will Smith kills the show show every and that's single why you week. Shouldn't trust him. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>